Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another esports moment. I'm Seamus Byrne. I've just spent a really big weekend at Intel Extreme Masters Sydney watching some of the world's best go head to head in CSGO. I caught up with a few great people at the event and some of them even sat down in front of a microphone with me. So you'll hear from there a lot more in coming days. First up, I grabbed some time with Chad Sponge Birchall, a former pro CSGO player and now an analyst seen regularly on the global circuit. He's an Aussie, and over the past few years, he's helped really build the identity of IEM Sydney, especially with the Cashes show match that takes place before the grand final. We talk about his transition from playing to casting, why he thinks CSGO is the best esport in the world, and what young casters should be trying to do to find their voice. He managed to squeeze in a quick chat between maps during the grand final. So a huge thank you to Sponge and to ESL for managing to fit this in for your listening pleasure. Here it is, my moment with Chad Sponge Birchall from IEM Sydney 2019. I really want to focus on kind of IEM Sydney and how that fits into your casting journey in a sense because I feel like it was only really a matter of months that it was announced kind of from the time you retired from Renegade. So curious, like, is that a fair assessment? How does this fit into your journey kind of post-player? That's, uh, that whole period of time is a bit of a blur from when I quit playing to when I started doing uh, this as a full-time career. But I think when I, when I heard about being on the cards, obviously I was very excited about that. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting any type of turnout that we've been able to see like this. Uh, I knew that there was a big player base within Australia considering our population, New Zealand, obviously as well. Yeah. But I didn't think that we would be able to get this many people to come out to enjoy something, which has been a huge part of my life for basically 50% of my life at this stage. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always very emotional to stand there on the analyst desk and look up and see thousands of Australian Counter-Strike fans cheering for something that I love. So it's great. And I, I really kind of get that feeling from you. It does look like you, you get quite emotional kind of it feels like at all the different events around the world, you'd see different casters feel that journey that has yeah. taken place in this sport, right? Yeah, it's it's something which uh, I know when when Henry uh, was able to cast over in, in London for the face of major and uh, Alex as well as the Desk Coast machine, it, it always means something special because this is something that we 
I want to say dedicate our lives to this is this is one of the best jobs you could possibly ever have. But this is a journey that we're on right now. And, it, and just to know that people who have grown up in the same, I guess, environment that we have love something just as much as we do. That's a great feeling. Yeah. And, you know, we've just seen the third caches and I really feel like it's earned that place as kind of the best show match in the world. You guys have so much fun with it. So, you know. Who's like, I mean, you know, where did that idea come from back at the start? Did you even think that it would blow up the way it has? I think it was just a, a suggestion in the beginning from uh, Mihao Carmack. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even remember it all. Was a, it was a very quick transition into it starting. And then for the second year is when Henry and I really wanted to take it to the next yeah. level. Because we do other show matches. They ask us last minute for other tournament organizers around the world. And it's always a mess. And it's not, in, it's not really enjoyable, right? Yeah. Obviously, we have the narrative uh, of, the, of the Ashes, Cashes, Australia, the UK. Yeah. And uh, Henry and I, we we love this stuff, right? Yeah. We actually live together now. We, we just we just moved in together in Malta. So the two of us, we we take as much pride in this as we possibly cool. can, and and we want to bring something for the fans that they can they can really enjoy and look forward to, as well as the grand final. It's a nice little warm up. Yeah, and I mean, it, it feels like. Are you drawing inspiration from WWE for this stuff? Yeah. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Henry's actually was a, was a pretty big wrestling fan once upon a time, so we like to channel that. Um, we always have these really big plans, like coming into it. There was so much more we actually wanted to do. It's just we leave it to the last minute, <laughs> yeah. and then there's not enough time. So yeah. hopefully for next year, uh, we can plan a little bit better, and we can actually take it even up another notch because. The start's always good, but we want to add a bit more to the rest of the game, see if we can uh, make it even more interactive for the fans. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then at the broader level, I feel like, you know, I Am Sydney, it's kind of also earned its rep of just how kind of big the audience personality is. Um, but as desk talent, I feel like there's a real skill, right, to reading the room quickly, especially at a new location, um, you know, for the people who aren't necessarily Aussies. Um, but, you know, how do you kind of help the other casters come on that journey of what that Aussie personality is or in general, you know, how, how is that skill of the desk talent to kind of make sure they're reading the room well and embracing whatever the local color might be? I, I think it's always a very difficult balance in terms of, you know, wanting to give hardcore analysis to the viewer at home and make sure that you are giving the people in the arena, especially when we're in places where English is the native language. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, the, the full experience and they love it when we play off of them. I like it this time, how we're actually have our backs to them so that they can actually do things behind the camera. That's great. Yeah. In terms of the skill for that, I think that the general rapport that we have as, as the group of us who travel around the world almost constantly together, yeah. um, we're friends yeah. and it makes doing our job and, and playing off of each other very easy. So that's maybe not a skill. Maybe it's lucky that we all get along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of just being able to, to work with it, I don't know. I, it's, no, we were never trained for this. It's just yeah, something yeah. that we we like doing and yeah. and uh so i think that we all have the mentality that you know if you do something and it doesn't work well it doesn't work you know we just yeah. just go with the flow yeah and it feels like it's part of where esports really is starting to kind of carve out that difference between you know it all started in that same place as traditional sports broadcasting but it feels now more and more like it's building its own personality and its own relationship with fans even the fact you guys do signings and all the rest you know that there's quite a different relationship right between a traditional sports broadcaster and their fan base and the way you guys have a real community spirit with the fans yeah i I think at least from my take on the way that media is going anyway is is people my age and younger are hugely into digesting podcasts and stuff now, which is just people having conversations and being hugely relatable content. Yeah. And I think that when I came into doing this job and everybody was on the analyst desk and casting full suits and pocket squares, and I looked at that and, and obviously they look, they look pretty nice doing that, but I've never, I didn't even wear, well, first of all, I don't even remember if I went to my school ball 
But if I did, I definitely <laughs> didn't wear a suit. Yeah. I, I'm, that's, that's not me. And I think that with our audience, with, with the age bracket we're dealing with, with the demographic we're dealing with, I don't think they really care, first of all, what we're dressed up like. Yeah, Second yeah. of all, being able to have a really good rapport with an audience and because we've started at, at such a small state and we've grown into something much larger, the community's grown with us. And if we went from being extremely relatable and so close on a social media way that we were before and then to nothing, it'd be very jarring. Yeah. But it's I, I love to be able to talk to my fans. I love the fact that I'm... Look, it's good and it's bad. When I was playing, it was pretty terrible, like some of the messages. <laughs> but now that I'm doing this, it's much nicer. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's, it's something that I think a lot of other people in different walks of entertainment they would feel the same thing. I'm sure that they have control of their Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts or whatever, and they probably read the stuff, but they have maybe most of the time they have someone managing it. Whereas yeah. we're still very close knit in that regard. Yeah. And yeah, how special are those kind of signing moments? I did kind of, I was wandering around this building the other day and that was when I spotted that there was a signing session for some of you guys. Um, clearly that's, you know, a really cool moment to be able to share with, with people where, where they're like, you're not just talent you know you're someone who they want to really connect with as well yeah it's it's great especially here on home soil for me yeah. to, to come and have the fans admiration in that way it is great i walking around the halls and people yelling at my name the great thing about here is everybody is hugely respectful like yeah. if, if they can see that i'm busy doing something they just go hey sponge and then they'll just keep walking you know they're not yeah. going to like stop it and, and and really get stuck into anything but it it's not something which i think any of us ever expected to be in this kind of position and it's yeah. not something that any of us take for granted. Yeah. So when it's like hey do you want to do a signing session sure, you know, you know, uh, we're we're willing to to give as much of our time as possible to make everybody happy. Yeah. And so what do you miss the most and what do you not miss about being a player? Um, I definitely don't miss the practice yeah. because it's so time consuming, but I wish that I could go back in time and do things very differently, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and I would love to have been able to... I was actually talking to my dad. My parents have flown over from Perth just to come to the event, and I and we were having dinner last night and made mention of that I felt like I was playing my best Counter-Strike when I was still working. And he was saying, yeah, I felt that like with all of you because Counter-Strike was the thing that, like, your obsession, but you still had something to take you away from it mentally. Um, and you can see that now with these guys. Sure, it's a full-time pursuit and Counter-Strike is on the brain 24-7, but it's being promoted for them to eat healthier and exercise and um, more mindfulness and to take time. And those are things when we were doing it that it was like every day was kind of just like a blessing in what we were doing. So we wanted to give it 110% and it's very easy to disappear down a rabbit hole. So yeah. I guess for me, not having it as it was back then... It's great. I'm glad that, that that's a thing of the past. Um, but I definitely miss the competitive nature, right? Yeah. That's the thing. We're all competitors. And I, I miss the thrill of being able to play, sitting there with some of my ex-teammates on stage and just doing that then. It, it, it's so much fun. I, yeah. I rarely get to play Counter-Strike these days. And to do it in any form, especially in front of a home crowd like that with some of my friends is, is a great feeling. How far ahead do you kind of think in terms of, you know, the, the analyst journey, right? Is it one tournament a year or are there other tangents out there that you think, you know, one day you might explore in the industry? So for me, um, I try and stay booked up for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, I like to know what I'm doing and when because the, as a freelancer, the feeling of not knowing what's next is very scary and daunting. Um, so for me, I have things booked in for the at least the first half of the year, right? In terms of other things on the horizon, my biggest goal in my job right now is to make sure that I can... This is this is my favorite thing in the world, Counter-Strike, is to, to give a viewer at home who maybe doesn't understand it as well, or maybe even if they do understand it as well, to give them an insight or, or give them something which, you know, a chunk of knowledge that maybe they didn't notice to appreciate the game more. Uh, 
I think that the way that we do analysis desks now, they're obviously part of the product that's being sold on, right? What I would love to do is have more like traditional sports, and I hate using traditional sports as a, as a benchmark, but they do things very well, like in terms of like football, uh, soccer, where they actually have standalone shows to you know talk about yeah. the upcoming tournaments, break down matches in detail. Uh, they bring players on, they bring managers on, they're actually going really in depth. And I think that there is a place for that in Counter-Strike. It's just, where's the time? Yeah. Um, so for me, I have goals to hopefully bring those things to esports or at least Counter-Strike eventually. It's just a matter of getting there. And at the moment, I haven't taken a moment to stop and figure that out. Yeah, it's a good point. I've seen it quite a few tournaments. You, know, you get the moment, they hold up the trophy at the That's end, it. the lights you know, shoot the confetti, and then it's like, and then we don't get the post-match yeah. analysis that you get from a traditional sort of sports broadcast. Yeah, and I think that the thing is because it almost feels like sometimes it's almost weekend to weekend of tournament to tournament, the narrative is painting itself. But people genuinely are interested in the personalities of these players. And I think I always look at uh, the footy show or AFL when it was in its glory days. And I look at that and I think that's the perfect balance of fun and actual content that a hardcore footy fan would love to take. And I wish we could bring that to Counter-Strike. Because especially with the guys that I work with, we've definitely got the fun covered. Bringing the analytical side of things just takes a little bit of work. And getting the people involved, it shouldn't be too difficult. So... We did at the major. There was the post for IEM Katowice. We did a sit stunner sat down with uh, Astralis, a couple of them after they won and went through the final. And, cool. and that was really cool, right? Yeah. And a lot more viewers hung around to watch that than I actually thought would. Yeah. And, and that's fantastic. That means maybe we set the precedent for the future. We can do that more and more. Mm. It's just at the moment with the amount of tournaments, it seems like it's still a, a distant uh, venture. Yeah. And I've sat there kind of buzzed at the end of a tournament watching yeah. it on TV. And you it's very deflating. Like, oh, now I'll just turn off Twitch and <laughs> go to bed, I guess. And yeah. Like, I'm hyped. Yeah. <laughs> I want more. Um, what do you feel like it would be some tips for you wannabe casters out there? I'm curious if you feel like, is it almost like the best path is to play hard for a while before you sort of make that shift to sort of thing? Or is there enough out there to watch and emulate that people can just sort of go, yeah, I just want to be great at talking about it? So I think that there is an interesting market in esports because if you can talk about Counter-Strike as a play-by-play commentator, you can talk about Call of Duty or you can talk about Rainbow Six or obviously games like Overwatch, Dota, League of Legends, you have quite intimate knowledge with them, right? To be able to, to be a caster. But I think that if you genuinely wanted to just be a commentator, then that is a pursuit you can do without necessarily needing to be into a particular game at any professional, semi-professional level. Yeah. Um, if you want to do it from a perspective, if you really want to be a Counter-Strike, Castro analyst, it's it's not an easy task by any means. And, and, I, and I get asked this question, people send me DMs all the time, and it's one that I really struggled to answer because for me, I kind of just fell into it. It wasn't something that I came out of the gates pursue. I was like, oh, I'll be a professional player first and then I'll go to... Analyst just didn't exist, exist when I was, first of all, playing yeah. Counter-Strike professionally. Um, so I, I actually heard Sadikus, Matt, giving some advice to a kid the other day and he said, uh, if, if, you, if you miss a tournament, go back and download the demo of the grand final and record yourself casting it for the first time. Don't watch it. Don't check the highlights. Don't do anything. Yeah. And then, then go back and watch what you did compared to, say, what a professional would have done. And then that way you can see if you're on the right track. And the other bit of advice he said, which it kind of sucks, but I guess this is the way you have to start, is take any work that you can in the beginning, if it, like it's a local LAN or it's an online thing, yeah. just so you can actually get your foot in the door. Because even if you're doing things in the realms of online casts, there's still money out there and it, you need to begin somewhere. And I think that that's great advice. Just just give it a crack. Yeah. You know? I mean, we often see that like with people who want to be a journo, I often say like just 
you can you can write stuff on your own blog just to prove that you yeah, want to do write, it. Yeah. You know, and so I imagine yeah, it's like just prove you want to do it. Yeah, and that's a huge step forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, from- I think one of the things which is uh, noticeable at the moment is in a lot of different countries around the world, the grassroots scene is starting to be more and uh, taken more and more seriously. Right. Yeah. So while the tournaments are growing around the world, so is it locally. So there's always going to be a need. There's always going to be a necessity to have people and more people want to run tournaments on. I remember going to a thing called RF land back in Perth when I was a kid and they probably need casters to cast that. They do like two or three of those a year. Right. Yeah. So that's just one entry level position of where you can get started and, and see if, you know, it's something that yeah. you want to pursue. It's like they're working on high, like more and more high school leagues seem to be emerging and a lot of that stuff. And you're right. There's, there's probably a lot of that that just don't have anybody yeah. casting it at all. And so if someone just went, I'll give it a crack, yeah. they'd probably love it. Yeah. Why not? Um, last thing, what is your pitch on what makes CSGO the most glorious esport in the world? I think the fact that Counter-Strike at face value is very easy to understand. Yeah. If you eliminate the other team, you win the round. If you complete the objective, you win the round. But the nuances of the game and actually when you get into the details of what makes it different from other first-person shooters or other esports out there, there's so much detail and it has the most history. It actually has legacy to it, right? There used to be Dota tournaments. You know, League of Legends pretend like they started esports. But Counter-Strike, along with Quake, in my mind, were the two from the very beginning. And Counter-Strike as a team-based shooter will always have a bigger appeal than an individual one. It's just, it it can't be as exciting because the way that people play off of each other. And Counter-Strike players, I like to call us the jocks of esports, because we always seem like the most animated bunch. Like you watch people like the League of Legends, they're, they're not so excited. Counter-Strike players, they're up, they're out of their seats, they're jumping, they're having a great time, they're yelling. And I think that just from the, the viewability factor and what you can actually get out of the individuals, personality-wise, player-wise, everything like that, that's what makes it so beautiful to me, I guess. <laughs> The Esports Moment is produced by me, Seamus Byrne, as part of the Biteside Podcast Network. You can also find many of my stories over at goat.com.au. If you really have been enjoying this show, please make sure you subscribe to the show. It's really lovely if you leave nice reviews. It really does help the algorithm spread the love of the show. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Esports Moment. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.